Bad news on my TV screen, bad news on the magazines, bad news on the newspaper, bad news on the elevator, bad news on the street, bad news on my car, bad news on my feet, bad news out of the bar, all over my clothes. Well, good afternoon. This is Alicia Bales in the studio with Dr. Drew Colfax. Hey, Drew. Hello, Alicia. It's the local coronavirus update. We have so much to update. We do? Well, no. <laughs> there's not... I mean, there, there, there's there a pandemic. A lot. There's a lot. Yes. But it's not not like it used to be. We're going to have to change I, that I feel song. like the theme song should become, you know, Same As It Ever Was, Same As It Ever Was by right. The Talking Head. Okay. Perhaps. But uh, maybe look. maybe that's a little bit too dated. Anyway, yes, there's a pandemic. It's actually getting better everywhere, um, including in Mendoland. And as probably everybody knows by now, we dropped from the purple to the red. Yes. Um, so that was a sign, a marker of significant improvement. Um, that's that's on a delayed basis. So we were actually in the red range for the last two to three weeks. Um, and so we finally moved there. I think it was Friday. Um, well, the they announced it on Friday, but I think it actually, we, we made the switch today. Okay. I, I, I was corrected, so I'll just... Fair enough. I'll just say that. Fair enough. We, we, we got there today. Red tier. But, I mean, that means that restaurants can open back up? Correct. Limited capacity. Um, a lot of indoor things can start opening up in limited form. And, frankly, I don't think that's going to result in a big surge, given our extraordinarily high vaccine rate in the county. Um, so... Hopefully, we will be able to do it safely this time after two failures previously. <laughs> right. Well, and the other thing is schools. Yes. The, the high school is getting ready to yes. open in Ukiah. At least in our family, my kid's getting ready to go back to in-person schooling two days a week. But just two days just a week. Just two days. Yeah. yeah, just two days a week. So before we get too far ahead of ourselves, the numbers. Yes. Um, we are currently averaging only six cases a day in Mendocino County, um, down from the low 20s during the highest um, peak um, late December, early January, bringing our total case count up to 3,881. Our positivity is all the way down to 1.9%. Wow. Um, so we're headed toward the elusive um, goal of under 1%. Um, that's kind of the metric of getting a pandemic under control. Um, only 100, slightly over 100 in isolation and quarantine currently. Um, and hospitalization rate is quite low indeed. Um, we had um, exactly zero uh, in Ukiah Hospital uh, over the weekend while I was working. Uh, the COVID unit had been closed. Uh, total county for right now is four hospitalized, one in the ICU. So not a lot of burden on the hospital system locally. That is great news. Yes. Wow. Um, and statewide, it's down over 30% uh, over the course of the last two weeks. So, you know, the surge that they saw in Southern California has completely um, abated. And the heat map is not hot anymore. Right? California is sort of a palish to more yellow color rather than the purple red of most heat maps. So that bespeaks um, pretty good control. We are... Exactly average in California, however, for rate of vaccine, uh, sitting right at 20% um, of the population getting at least one dose of vaccine. Uh, Mendocino County, 
um, roughly has vaccinated uh, probably close to over 40,000 um, have received at least one dose at this point. Um, 25,000 through public health, at least another 16,000 through Adventist, um, and then there's consolidated and the pharmacies. So that's that. We're pushing. 50% of the population, uh, maybe 40%, because, you know, there's the two-dose regimen. Um, but we're, 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 our, our vaccine rate is quite high indeed. Um, so that's that's quite good. And, and taken in conjunction with a 5% confirmed COVID case count in the county, um, we can multiply that by two probably. So we're talking 50, 60% of the population that has either natural or induced immunity at this point, um, which is enough, I think, to keep us from seeing a significant surge as we cautiously reopen things up. Now, okay, so the you think that the number of people who've either had COVID or had the vaccine is enough that we're seeing that reflected in our infection rate? Well, that and we're, we have been still fairly cautious, right? We're still, we're still mostly closed. Uh, we're still wearing masks. We're still distancing. I think that's fairly ingrained for most of us at this yeah, point. Yeah, we're very good at it now. Yeah, you don't, you don't really see people in indoor establishments without a mask like, on. It's like 0.01%. It's, 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 like it's abnormal. It's abnormal to see. Let's just yeah. say that. Um, and so that, that just makes a huge difference. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. What does this mean? Like, are we getting through the pandemic? Twenty percent of people vaccinated doesn't seem like. I mean, it's a lot when you take it in that in the big picture. But still, there's a lot of people out there who still need to get the shot. Yeah, there 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 are. And twenty percent is the state average. The state average, and that's the national average. Um, so yes, there are still you know two hundred million Americans that need the shot or more. I'm not counting those who are 16 and under. Um, and so we're talking about a lot of vaccines that need to be administered. The good news is that the rate of vaccination is increasing. Um, and so we're seeing day by day or week by week an increase in the number of vaccines administered. And I can I expect to see that trend continue. So the, the Biden goal of you know, a million doses a day has been easily surpassed. I, I suspect in the next two to three weeks, we're going to be over two million a day. And by the end of April, we're probably going to be at three million a day. Uh, and by June, we're probably going to see herd immunity levels. Right. But the open question is yes. these variants. Uh, variants. And also, do you think hesitancy is an open question, too? Like how we're going to reach? We're, we're, we're getting the people who really, really want it. But at some point, don't you think that's going to start? Oh, yeah. No, I, I think that's I think that's definitely going to happen. Um, and in this county, actually, if we're talking, you know, 40 to 50 percent of the population already vaccinated, uh, then, you know, we're, there's going to be. 10% of the people who are on the far right end of the spectrum who don't want the vaccine because this is all fake news. And then there are going to be 10% on the far left who don't want a vaccine because they're afraid it's going to make them, you know, become acutely weak and fall over dead. And so both of that, those populations exist in this county. Um, and I suspect just as a sort of a gross estimate that that's going to be about 10% of each. So that means that we're talking only 30% of the population that still hasn't gotten the vaccine um, that want it. Um, and so that's really why I've been pushing um, or arguing that we should just open it up um, and get, get rid of these pre-existing conditions, get rid of the age restrictions, um, and just start vaccinating everybody as the supply comes in. Or the limit to essential jobs or whatever that yeah, is. Yeah, we've gotten most of those people at this point. Yeah, um, that's true, yeah. 
So it's, you know, I, I think we're at that point. Part of the problem is we've been so good. I think California is sending us less vaccine. Um, I don't think there are a lot of first vaccine events scheduled this week, either through public health or through Adventist. Um, and the reason for that, I'm afraid, is our numbers are so much better than everywhere else that the people who are shipping this and making that decision aren't sending it to Mendelan right now. Right. So we do not look like a priority on the on the big map of California. Not this week. Well, it's interesting because anyone who's following this, the the one or two of us who are still, still, still watching, still. Friday was this huge day for vaccination on the coast. There were three vaccination events. One of them was organized by Supervisor Williams, and we were on the air saying, they have 500 shots with no one signed up for them. Get out there, get out there. And so, in a sense, we are opening it up. For yeah, when just, things like that happen, it's sort of a free-for-all. Right, and that's kind of what you want to avoid, frankly. And so I think it would be more more coherent and um, more readily justified and more readily organized if you actually officially open it up and allow people to book appointments mm-hmm. on a regular basis as these events occur. Do you think that's why people weren't signed up for, for that event? I th- I think there was just a lot of vaccine events, um, and the Ted Williams DYI uh, vaccine event um, in Casper, you know, that didn't have a lot of lead time to get 700 people in to get vaccinated, particularly 700 people meeting the current criteria for eligibility. I'm so curious to see how it goes over the next few weeks as it does start to get harder and harder to just throw open the doors and people will come rushing. I mean, I got calls from inland Ukiah wondering if there was enough time to get to to Casper. I got calls, more than one call from the Bay Area, wondering if there was enough time to drive up. So I don't know who's listening to us in the Bay Area, but enough that... Several people called wondering if they could. Well, could you know, come some up for some of, of those barrier types come up by helicopter, so maybe they helicoptered they, they in. Kind of like yeah. helicoptered yeah. in. Yeah. But no, they can't have our shots. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, yes, they can, <laughs> and they will. Believe me. So, okay, at vaccine clinics this week, uh, organized by the county, there's a couple of second dose clinics. Uh, one on the 17th at the Ukiah Fairgrounds for anyone who received their first dose at the fairgrounds on February 24th. And that link isn't up yet, but it will be up soon at the county webpage. And then on the 16th, Mendocino High School. What's today? Today's the 15th. Ooh, it's the Ides. Um, watch out. But tomorrow at Mendocino High School, anyone who received their first dose at the Mendocino High School on February 23rd can sign up at the county's website to schedule their appointment for that. And those are both Pfizer second-dose vaccination clinics. And then there is, later this week, a Moderna second-dose clinic at the Ukiah Fairgrounds on the 19th. And that's for anyone who received their first dose of Moderna at the Ukiah Fairgrounds on February 19th. So, uh, the, And those appointments, according to the website, were scheduled at the time of that first dose. And to add to that, I know the Anderson Valley Health Center is doing a second dose event on Thursday, and those people um, will be contacted for appointment times. And that's for time frames. Right. They would then those are for anyone who got their first dose at the Anderson Valley Health Center. So yeah. Yeah, they called me this week. I got my magic call from the clinic where I signed up. So that was very cool. But you've already been vaccinated. I got my first shot. Well maybe she get another. 
I will. I, I'm, I'm scheduled to get my second shot on my birthday, which will be a wonderful birthday present. Speaking of second shots, the yeah. one-shot one J&J is starting to arrive and be administered in the county, which is quite good. Um, and so that's going to... It's still not a very significant supply of it coming in, but that's going to really accelerate the vaccine rollout, I think, nationally, certainly. Um, and eventually we'll see that trickling down to us. Yes, and I saw a wonderful story online about uh, a traveling vaccination team that went out to an elder uh, community at the Golden Rule and brought J&J vaccines to people at their homes. Great. That's cool. Very exciting. Indeed. I just wouldn't want to be the CEO of AstraZeneca and their beleaguered vaccine, which has now been suspended again, um, this time in Europe, after some concerns that it might trigger um, blood clots. I'm not sure that's actually going to pan out, um, but that vaccine has really struggled. Some of it's been self-inflicted. It doesn't affect us, as it has not yet been approved in this country, and I think that's just a further setback for any approval that we're going to see of that vaccine. Yeah, I heard that story on the radio this morning and thought, oh, oh, even if it doesn't prove to be true, just the word blood clot next to your vaccine. Well, in vaccines, there there will be a very low incidence of people, not typically forming blood clots, but um, there can be sort of an autoimmune reaction where your platelet counts drop quite low. Um, And so that that happens quite rarely we're talking you know one in millions of doses um with vaccines and there have been some reported cases even with these two of that occurring um but that doesn't typically lead to blood clots to the contrary it, it, it tends to lead to bleeding which can be you know quite dangerous also exciting yeah your your job is just I don't know. I'm too queasy for your job, I think. <laughs> um, all right. Should we open up the phone lines? Sure. Okay. The number here in the studio is 707-895-2448. We are here until 4 o'clock today. It's a marathon. It's a COVID marathon. Yes. Yeah. I, I still don't. I still don't know. Are we going to have calls until 4 o'clock? We'll see. 895-2448. The lines are wide open. And before we take that first call, I think I said we weren't quite at 2 million doses, vaccines a day, but I think the actual number is actually over 2 million. Uh, I think I misspoke. It's 2.4. So we've punched through the 2 million um, daily vaccine doses in this country, um, headed toward 3, I think. It was apparently some wild weekend where they made something like five or six million shots over the weekend. So, well, one would hope that these vaccine plants, these factories, are working triple shifts, um, pumping it out as fast as they can. And I, I, I presume that they are at this point. But seems to be making it to Mendocino County. Yep. All right. Well, the phone lines are ringing off the hook. So let's take our first call. Hello, caller. You live on the air. Hi great that you guys are still on. <laughs> You're long haulers. <laughs> COVID long haul. You don't want it. <laughs> you know, Alicia and I definitely have that feeling, but go on. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it was a good thing for you, especially Dr. Colfax, because you go to the studio one time or two times less than you save that trip. But anyway, I have a, a call about um, this thing where people lose their taste and smell. I was wondering if uh, you have a handle or read anything or hear anything, how long that has to take to come back. reason I'm asking, uh, my brother, I called him Thanksgiving to wish him a happy Thanksgiving. Couldn't get a hold of him. And he called me a month later and said he was in the hospital for 23 days with COVID. 
and he can't taste anything. And he's saying his doctor said it's going to be six months. I was wondering, you know, what what you hear about that. Yeah, so that's, I mean, your brother was quite fortunate. Anybody who's hospitalized for 23 days um, obviously got quite sick from COVID. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that, you know, he's he's out. Um, and yeah. the, the loss of smell and taste seems to, the duration of that um, effect seems to vary quite a bit. Some people will recover it um, within days after their illness. Um, others were seeing this protracted... Um, um, you know, period where they don't have that those senses, and that might last up to six months, um, just because it might take that long for those olfactory, primarily olfactory um, nerves to regenerate and come back online. Um, and so that's, you know, that's the speculation. I fear that there will be some small minority of people who will lose their sense of smell. Um, it's primarily smell, but smell is so integrated with our sense of taste. Um, uh, they might lose it permanently. Hopefully that ends up being a very small uh, fraction of these unfortunate people. But for your brother, I think that that estimate that he received from his doctors of up to six months is probably spot on. Hopefully it's a little bit pessimistic and it comes back before that. Um, but I, I would have him plan for a six-month period of tastelessness. Yeah, you know, it's a miracle that he made it through because he's overweight. He has diabetes. He's had a number of heart operations. Like he always jokes, well, you name it, I have it, you yeah. know. But uh, at any rate, yeah, that's what his doctor told him. And the other thing is, he's having a hard time eating because things taste terrible. Yeah, no, and that's just, it's akin to a you know a chemotherapy. Uh, somebody on chemotherapy who loses a sense of taste, and with or without the nausea, you just stop eating if you can't taste what you're eating. Um, and so, you know, it's it's that's definitely a side effect that I've seen firsthand uh, at work as well. Yeah. So. Okay. Okay, thanks a lot. Thank right. you. Thanks for the call. Uh, bye. Bye-bye. It's 895-2448. Take our next call. Hey, caller, you live on the air. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> caller, are you there? I am here. Hello. Go ahead. You're live on the air. Okay. So I sent in an email last week, but um, Dr. Drew misinterpreted my question, so I'm going to try it in person. Okay. Go um, for it. Okay, so I got both uh, shots. I got Pfizer, um, and I had zero reaction to either. Okay. I mean, nothing. Yeah. Um, so my question, you thought I meant, did it mean that the, there was a bad batch of the vaccine? No, I didn't. I'm sure it wasn't. The question is, is my immune system not reacting, reacting and therefore I'm not actually going to be slightly immune? No, I, I, the the side effect or the effect that we each of us has from the vaccine is not going to correlate with the the durability um, or the efficacy of your immunity. So I think you should simply count yourself in the fortunate, um, substantial minority of people who just don't have a reaction to the vaccine. Um, but it doesn't mean that your immune system's not working um, or that the vaccine um, wasn't you know properly cared for. Um, you, I after two weeks after your second dose um, can safely conclude that you have um, fairly durable um, immunity to uh, COVID. It's not a, What's that? 
I said, okay. Yeah, no, good. yeah, no, exactly. I mean, it's again, though, it's. I'll have what you're having. Yeah, it's not a hundred percent, right? I mean, we know through the right. trials that this is ninety-five percent, and while we still have COVID around us, it certainly is um, incumbent upon us to continue to follow all the COVID rules. But your your double vaccine uh, protocol that you've been through. You know, there's there's no reason to presume or to even be anxious about the fact that you have not developed immunity to COVID. Is there any way in the future when people are going to start, you know, testing how well people reacted and how immune they actually got and when it wears off and stuff? Are are those tests? already in people's minds as to how they're going to be doing that? Oh, yeah. No, they, they are already um, closely tracking the durability of the immunity from each of these vaccines um, and also from previous infection. And so what they're doing is they're testing active antibody um, counts in these people who are vaccinated. We're not doing it on everybody, but that, that sampling is occurring right now, and there are going to be recurrent updates you know, over the course of the next 3, 6, 9, 12 months um, to get a sense of how durable um, our, immune, our immunity is from either an illness or um, from the vaccine. Yeah, so stay posted. If it turns out to be something where you have to get one every year, I'm game. Yeah, and I I, I frankly think we're going to see a booster shot sometime in the fall um, as these new variants develop and it becomes apparent which ones are the most successful. These vaccines might need to be tweaked um, to suppress the probability of a recurrent surge yet again uh, this fall. Uh, so we'll see. Stay tuned. Um, but that's certainly what the drug companies are looking toward. They're starting to develop some tweaks to these vaccines. The tweaked vaccine will be rolled out in real time for people who are um, not yet vaccinated. But I suspect that people who are vaccinated before these tweaks were um, instituted, then there might be a booster shot in store for us. Okay. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Right, thanks for the call. All right, this is the local coronavirus update with Dr. Drew Colfax. I'm Alicia Bales, operating the board, and let's take our next call. It's 895-2448. Hello, caller, you're live on the air. That's you. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I am calling for a friend. She's 73 years old. She had her first Moderna a month ago, and she is supposed to get her second shot today. Okay. Um, She has developed a rash on her shoulder, which she was wondering if it might be um, shingles. There's a possibility she was exposed to someone with shingles, but when I asked her about it, it may not actually have been shingles. Then we were wondering, is there any connection of shingles with the Moderna shot? And I can't find any information to confirm it. The rash that I saw is maybe like a light shingles, but it's not really dermatomal. So I'm not sure. Have you heard any connections between shingles and Moderna? Or should she get her second shot? Yeah, so if she has shingles, she probably shouldn't get the second shot. But if uh-huh. if it's dermatomal, or if it's not dermatomal, rather, um, and it's 
not painful. It doesn't sound like shingles. I mean, shingles, by the time you see the rash, you, you really are in a lot of pain, typically. Um, and so I suspect that, you know, this may not be shingles at all, um, in which case mm-hmm. the vaccine would certainly be indicated today. Um, I don't suspect that this rash is related to her first vaccine four weeks ago. And there's really not any mm-hmm. connection that I've seen published um, of these vaccines inducing shingles um, or triggering a, sh- mm-hmm. a shingles outbreak. So I, I, you know, I, if there's a, if she's in an acute shingles outbreak, um, they may or may not want to give her um, the shot. Um, I know that when people have received the shingles vaccine uh, we'd like to wait at least two weeks before doing the coronavirus vaccine and so you know if right. somebody has acute shingles that might also apply in her case um so uh-huh. i yeah I, you know it just depends on whether this is a painful rash or not um and sort of the degree of certainty that this is shingles or not um so yeah i if I were in her position, I would certainly go to the event um, and talk uh-huh. to the providers there about what sort of rash she has, um, and they can make a decision at that point. That's kind of what I told her. Yeah. Okay. But it is, it's kind of equivocal. It's, it's kind of a sticky one because it's not 100% clear at all, but um, the association with the previous vaccine doesn't. Seem to be likely. No, I don't. Not, I, I don't know how long she's had this rash. I mean, if she had it for twenty-eight days. That that would seem no, you know, a little bit right. more proximate. No, two days ago. Yeah, this that this two is not ago. this is not related to that. I mean, we get rashes all the time, right? And most rashes aren't uh-huh. shingles. Um, so if she's not hurting, then it's probably not shingles, right? So I don't know if you know if this is a painful rash. It's tingling. Yeah, it's, ting- it's tingling. I mean, and I've seen shingles. Yeah. Um, but um, it's. It's kind of equivocal. Got it. Okay, I, I did tell her to go down to CVS and show them her arm and ask them what they think, yep. and we'll see if she ends up getting it. Yeah, I, I also told her it was fine to wait. Yeah, I mean, she she could. It, the problem is she would have to get back in um, when they have another event. Um, but right. you know that, that that's more of a a bookkeeping issue rather than a medical issue. Um, yeah, yeah. I frankly suspect that she'd be perfectly safe. Um, probably much safer getting her second Moderna dose today than delaying it in any way whatsoever. Okay. Okay. I will pass that on. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Thanks for the call. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. It's 895-2448. Yes, the phone lines are all full, so let's take our next call. It's the coronavirus marathon. Yeah. <laughs> it is, and we're going till 4 o'clock. So yeah, I think we should go till 6. So, please, yeah. let's just pretend like you didn't say that and take our next call. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Oh, hi. hi. Um, <laughs> I was calling about the, the shingles. This is not related to the coronavirus, but... Uh, just for people's information, because I had shingles several years ago, you cannot give somebody shingles, but if you have shingles, you can give somebody chickenpox. Correct. Yeah, I, and I so let I let I that did, slide from the previous call. Yes, I, I let it slide from the previous call, but yes, that is correct. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I just did that because I gave somebody chickenpox. Yeah, no, it, you know, most <laughs> it of us. A, most of us, um, 
most of us who are adults of a certain age um, all had chickenpox, which means we all harbor the virus, um, right. and it just comes out as shingles, usually you know, at the age of 50 or greater, but sometimes not. Um, oftentimes, you know, it comes out with stress or exhaustion or some other sort of disease process. Um, but at any rate, um, it is a very unpleasant, very painful yeah, illness that comes with a rash that tends not to be fun. Not fun. <laughs> Depends where it is, but you know there there are places that are even less fun than others. Uh-huh. Well, okay. that's it. I yep. just wanted to put that out there. Well, get your shingles vaccine, everybody. All right. Okay. Yep. Thank Thanks you for, the for your show. Thank you. So there is a vaccine for shingles, right? Because I, I I'm thinking about looking forward to to having these horrible, painful rashes, but you, you can get a vaccine for shingles? Yes. And it works? Yes. And it takes care of this problem? It, it vastly minimizes the risk of getting a shingles. How old do you have to be to get it? Oh, boy, you're going outside my uh, what? My knowledge base. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if there's an age cutoff. I think there's a recommendation, um, which means you know insurance covers it, but I think that might be 60 and up, but that's... That's suspect, um, suspect recollection that I may have. Okay, I won't put it in my calendar yeah, yet. Yeah, this then. is this is not the local you know, shingles <laughs> update. We do that for an hour a week. Uh, that'll be our next our next series. <laughs> good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air. Hi. Good afternoon. I have a question that might have been answered. I had my phone down. Um, so about the immune system, or what your reaction to it, a second dose reflects about the health of your own immune system. It just seems that people have such radical different reactions to the same drug, second, the second dose. So is there any correlation about how healthy your immune system is based on on how you react to the second dose? Well, you know, there's there's no good correlation. Let me put it that way. I mean, anecdotally, um, a lot of medical providers are tending to see less um, intense side effects in the more elderly population from the vaccine. Um, and so... Yeah, that's know, what I was reading, yeah. And, and yeah. so, you know, that reflects, uh, you know, a general debility of our immune system as we get into our late 70s and 80s and 90s. Um, and so is there a general trend toward, you know, a more weakened immune system uh, presenting with fewer side effects from the vaccine? Yes, maybe there's a trend that you could plot if you took in a million data points. But on an individual basis, it doesn't really tell you anything about the robusticity of your immune system. There's just There are too many variables at play to make any inference that has any statistical meaning. Okay. All right. Well, the reason I'm asking is I just got the second dose on Friday. And on Saturday, I couldn't get off the sofa. I was dead, you know, cold and and uh, headachy and everything. And so, and a woman friend, very same age as I, 73, who had the rec second dose on the very same day, had zero side effects. Yeah. So I was just just wondering what it indicates about our different immune systems, but... 
Yeah, we you know, we, correctly. Yeah. At this point, we don't have a good sense of you know what it indicates, if anything. Um, but it certainly doesn't indicate a metric of how healthy your immune system is, um, or whether you you have developed immunity from the vaccine. That much we know. Um, what we may not okay. know, and what we may or may not ever determine, is whether you can make some sort of inferences that are actually meaningful from you know the response that we may have from this vaccine. I suspect frankly that it's just way too complex and there are too many variables at play um, in each in each individual's immune response that we're never going to really have any good handle on why some of us had no effect um, and why some of us yeah. really felt like we we're you know clobbered for 24 hours yeah yeah okay well then that makes me feel a little better yeah. <laughs> So, because um, I can kind of see the logic both directions, and uh, so I was just hoping it didn't mean that my immune system was depleted or something. No, no, I mean, so yeah, yeah I think okay. the fact that you had us. All know, right, well, thank you so much for your help. You're welcome. Bye-bye. 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 All right, well, that, yeah, that's something else to look forward to when I get the next shot. You know, clobbered. It, you might, you might not. It's it's transient. Take some ibuprofen, take some Tylenol, plan on sleeping, you'll be fine. I will let you know. Yeah. All right, uh, it's KZYX. It's the local coronavirus update with Dr. Drew Colfax, and let's take our next call. The call-in number here in the studio is 707-895-2448. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Hi. Um, just in relation to the rash on the arm. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a rash about a week and a half after my shot. I had no, no reaction when I got the first shot, but um, then got a rash about a week and a half later. And I happened to see, I was a little concerned because it was kind of strange. Uh, so much uh, time had passed. And then I read uh, that I think um, a doctor at one of the teaching hospitals had added that to her list of reactions mm-hmm. because so many of her patients had had rashes one or two weeks later that had not had a reaction right away. Yeah, no, uh, there there is a minority of people who will develop a rash that typically occurs, as you state, you know, somewhere between five days and perhaps two weeks after the vaccine. It's not something that would develop, uh, you know, four weeks later, as in the previous caller's case. Um, uh, uh-huh. okay. The rash itself is, I, I suspect, in your case, um, and the norm seems to be sort of a very fine, not particularly bothersome rash overlying the region of your upper arm, typically where you got vaccinated. Uh, it's not dangerous, right. it's self-limiting, and it fades away over the course of about a week or two. That's right. Yeah. Okay, that's what happened to me. Yeah. Okay, just wanted to mention that. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, taking the next call. Yep, the lines are lit right up. Oops, except that, except that line. Hang on. Yeah. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Oh, lovely. Let me turn my radio off. Okay. Um, my question is about uh, when you announced the various clinics and and such for uh, this week, you did not mention the CV star, and um, I had my uh, my first one on February 18th, and I'm scheduled for March 18th at CV star, 
at the same time right. have the right. little card here. But you didn't mention that, so I wondered, did they decide not to do no. it? Or did they not have no, not at all. If you're scheduled for it, it's through Adventist, and, and it's definitely happening. It's just that um, I didn't see any announcements from Adventist of any first-dose clinics this week. Or second. It's second they, dose. Yeah, it's second. But I don't think they had posted their update as of going live on the air um, 45 minutes ago. Right. But if you're scheduled, so far Adventist has been 100% um, successful in getting everybody their second doses. So if you're already scheduled to go to CV Star this upcoming Thursday, I think you said, then yeah. I, I would put money on the fact that that will, in fact, happen. Oh, good, because I'd hate to drive out there in the rain that's supposed to happen and stand around in the rain and not have it happen. Well, you should be able, we should be able to get you confirmation that that will happen between now and then. Um, Adventists will probably be posting some sort of update over the next 24 hours. And how, how will I hear about that? Well, you could call the Adventist um, hospital in Fort Bragg to see if their event is, in fact, occurring. And I don't have that number in front of me. Uh, oh, that's okay. I, I have it. Yeah. I can get that number. Yeah, they, they I will, think it's one one two three four. They will have that information for you, um, once, you know, once we get a day or two closer to the event. Great. Thank you very much indeed. Thanks for that call. And I do appreciate that because there are so many events happening. And so yeah. just because I, I, I didn't read it doesn't say anything about whether it's happening or not. I was only able to get these this listing of events online today. So. Correct. Yeah. All right. Let's take our next call. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Fantastic. Yep. Welcome. Well, uh, thank you. Uh, a question about the shingles. Uh, I, I thought that it was something that was contagious when you were a child uh, from measles or uh, related to that. Uh, is, it a con- is it contagious is my question. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's actually from chicken pox. Um, not not the measles. Um, right, and right, right. People with shingles, um, you you can get chicken pox from somebody with shingles with an, an acute outbreak, but you're not going to get shingles from somebody with shingles. Um, and so most of us have either induced immunity from the shingles or the the vaccine. Um, or we have natural immunity from having had chicken pox when we were kids. Now, it can be quite dangerous. Shingles can be quite dangerous um, if you are pregnant and exposed to somebody with shingles. Um, so, for example, in the clinical setting, pregnant women um, who are at hospital or clinics don't see patients with open shingle sores because it can really be quite devastating during pregnancy. Um, so, yes, it is contagious. Um but most of us already have immunity to the virus that causes the shingles. But right, the, the right. problem is... It, the pro- I thought I had a vaccine. I'm in my 60s, mid-60s, and uh, I thought I had a vaccine when I was a child for chicken pox. No, they, when you were a child, if you're in your 60s, they did not have a, chick, a chicken pox vaccine. Now, what, well, I was just fortunate. Yeah, well, you, you, I didn't get it. Well, you, you probably did, frankly. You might not have known it. Uh, you might have had a mild case of it. But just about everybody 50, 60 years ago got chicken pox at some point or another. It was just quite prevalent. Now, um, if you're in your 60s, you would be a good candidate for the shingles vaccine, which would then prevent you from having... Um, the 
a case of the shingles. But we're getting right we're getting a little far afield from uh, from COVID. But you know, it's all good. It's all viral. It's all viral. Well, it's all viral. I'm just I'm just uh, waiting. For, I heard the previous uh, yeah. questioners. Anyway, anyway, thank you for your answer. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I won't cover you anymore. All right. Thank you. I'm just waiting for our next smallpox outbreak. But, oh, you know. oh, well, we're we've done so well on this on this yeah. pandemic. Yeah. We can yeah. just use everything we've learned. Yeah. Smallpox would make COVID look like a warm-up act slightly more deadly yeah all right let's take our next call good afternoon caller you're live on the air caller hmm, i think hello caller you're live on the air hello Hi. good afternoon um i am about people that have their doubts about the uh, virus or about the uh, vaccine wouldn't it be well to tap into the information that must be available from the sixty to eighty thousand people who tested it originally? Well, sure. I mean, that's that's the information that was relied upon to give emergency use authorization to each of these vaccines, right? So that data is available and has been rigorously analyzed. And now we're talking sixty million Americans who have received uh, one or two doses of these two vaccines, um, without you know significant. I mean, they're sure there are sporadic uh, case reports of people having sometimes pretty devastating reactions to the vaccine, but we're talking maybe. 20 nationwide out of 60 million doses that's it's not a lot um and <laughs> and if, if you're talking about you know looking at the odds you know covid um you know most of us do fine with it but it still is carrying even in this country even with the marginal improvements in care that we've made it still carries you know about a one percent mortality rate um you know going up with age etc cetera, etc cetera. it also carries a heck of a morbidity rate and you know the previous callers call about his brother who's lost his sense of smell the long covid etc etc you know those are all things that we don't want um and so you know if you're going to weigh risk um there's there's a whole pile of reasons on one side of the scale to get the shot and there is a grain of sand on the other side to not get the shot i'm not going to say it's 100 percent absolutely safe completely without any risk of side effects or significant effects that would be you know, foolish of me to assert that, but the relative risks and the safety of this vaccine, the safety profile of this vaccine is extraordinary. Aha. Uh-huh. Well, that's all good information then. Fine. Uh, I've had my shots. I, I was just curious as to whether there had been any long-term after effects from that original large group of people. Yeah, no. Something we could draw on to say, well, uh, this could happen or that could happen. Yeah, no, we're not seeing any sort of long-term hypothetical um, vaccine response syndrome. Um, you know, what we are seeing, obviously, is long COVID in a small minority of people or even in a fairly substantial minority of people. Um, but the response or sort of long-term effects of the vaccine, no, we're not seeing any evidence of that at all yet. Great news. Well, yes. well, yeah, let's hope that that continues. Thank you much for doing this, and have a good day. Thank you. All right, thanks for the call. You know, I, when I was weighing the, the risks and the benefits uh, originally of, of vaccinations, it seemed to me that strong, like healthy, strong, younger people really were the best candidates for actually getting it because we, while we may not be as at much risk from bad outcomes from getting COVID, although we, we still are, 
but we could spread it to people who really are vulnerable to, to dying. It's yeah. not just about our own health and safety. It's about us as a sort of as a more more collective society here and what, yeah, the, what we could do in order to put elderly and frail people at risk. It's about keeping our community safe. And frankly, yeah. that's my beef with the vaccine hesitant, if you will, uh, in general. I mean, if, if you don't want to vaccinate your kid, um, then you're you're putting every other kid in the in, in your community at increased risk um, for reasons that are not you know based in science um, and so that that that's frustrating um, and in in the context of covid um, it's also frustrating and if we end up having you know twenty five percent of people in this nation who don't um, get vaccinated, then we're going to be living with COVID, you know, for years to decades because it will just continue to have um, enough host to stay present um, amongst us, which will be frustrating. Um, and it will, you know, put some of our more elderly or vulnerable people as sort of perpetual risk, vaccinated or not, uh, from getting COVID and doing really very poorly indeed. Well, with a vaccine that's 95% effective, it seems like there really is the potential for eradication. Is that just I, I don't think Is this vaccine wrong? will ever be eradicated the way, say, smallpox uh -huh. was eradicated. Um, it's just, it's too prevalent, um, and it it's able to exist without being detected um, too readily. Um, so I think this is going to become kind of like a cold virus um, or a flu um, virus that is in the population at some low level, and it'll pop up here and there in some sort of readily contained manner. All right, it, but you know, fortunately, the vaccine is also so far practically 100% effective at, or all these vaccines are close to 100% effective at um, preventing severe um, COVID or or death from COVID. All right, well, the phone lines are still lighting up, so we're going to go until four o'clock. It's the local coronavirus update with Dr. Drew Colfax. I'm Alicia Bales, and uh, the number here is 707-895-2448. We are looking forward to your call. Hello, caller, you're live on the air. Hi there. Hey, does it make a difference when you call in on a dial phone? What do you mean? Well, I tie and it rings a couple times, and it sounds like it answers, and then it goes to a busy signal. That's oh, like that's frustrating. Times. But then you tried it on your cell phone, and it was... No, I just tried about... 30 times to just kept dialing. <sighs> well, I, you got through now, so... It's <laughs> about yeah. perseverance. Hey, I want to know about China. All um, right. Why they, don't they have such high death rates? What are they doing right now? Because didn't some people believe it started there, and they seem like they're doing pretty damn well compared to us. And secondly, I follow sailing quite a bit, and the uh, America's Cup's going on. No American entries survived, but... Uh, New Zealand and Italy are going at it. They have thousands of people in New Zealand watching this. No masks, not a one. You can watch it on YouTube. Oh, for this last week, it's been going on. Beautiful weather. Wish I was there. I'll take my answer on the air. Thanks. Yeah, sure. So New Zealand, um, their case rate, um, just by by comparison, ours is 1.9% positivity. Um, their case, their positivity rate is less than 0.1. Um, in fact, I think it's under 0.0.1. So they have very, very little COVID. Um, they also have an extremely robust um, public health infrastructure. So their contact tracing is, you know, 
beyond anything that we have even come close to imagining in this country. Um, they had a case, a recurrent case, you know, earlier this fall, as I recollect, and they traced it down to an elevator um, that was occupied by somebody, you know, the previous day. And it's that good in terms of COVID wow. tracing, uh, in terms of contact tracing. So New Zealand has done a, a fantastic job of um, containing this. It's also a very small, fairly rural um, population that is not ideally suited for spread of COVID. China, on the other hand, you know, I think the numbers are probably higher than what we are seeing. Um, but they have, obviously, a much more um, rigorous and effective um, police state um, and are able to um, wall off the outbreaks in a way that we've never even attempted or imagined doing in this country and, frankly, would not be tolerated. And that's, that's really how China has managed to get this under control in a fashion that we have not. All right, there's trade-offs. Yes. It's kind well, of some, some you know, 530,000 Americans dead at this point. I'm not sure we've made all of the best choices. Right. Should we take another call? Sure. Okay. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Hi. I have a question since this is now the uh, new and improved shingles update in addition to COVID. I have a to find out, or I'd like to find out if I can get a uh, shot for singles, and if so, how soon after my second COVID shot? Yeah, that's something you should talk to your practitioner about, but I might you know, my, my knee-jerk uh, response is going to be about two weeks. Um, they might okay. want they might want you to go four weeks, but two weeks generally is considered to be a safe buffer before you would get revaccinated for something else. But you know, there yeah, might then, be there might be individual reasons why they want to stretch it out longer in your case, and we don't need to go into in the over the air. Um, but that's something you can talk about with your provider. Yeah, I've been putting it off since I didn't know when I was going to be able to get the COVID shot. So. Yeah, well, now, now that, 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 now that you're I getting your start. shots, it's time to, you know, stop deferring all this health maintenance that we've been deferring. Um, That's right. So. That's right. Thank you so much. You're welcome. All right. Thanks. Good afternoon. Thanks. Thanks for the show. And those who haven't given yet, if you've had help from Dr. Colfax, give to the station. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thank you for Thanks that. Thanks for that plug. Then, and that was, And just to be clear... That was not a planet call. Did you? Was that a no, planet call? No, no, absolutely right. not. Although I, it did occur to me, I got my my um, stimulus payment today. Oh, and I was thinking, you know, if people have a little extra money from the stimulus, that would be a great thing to maybe send a little percentage of it down to KZYX. We're, we are in our quiet drive, so hey, if if you're getting your your money from President Biden, you know. Send a little over here to keep the radio station going. That would be great. Now that we're having the local shingles update. (laughs) (laughs) Next week we can talk about the papillomavirus. Oh, okay. That sounds good. I know what that one is. Okay. Can we move on? Yes. (laughs) Okay. We have an email. Uh, Let's see. This is, hi, guys. Thanks for bringing another fabulous COVID show. My question today is, how important is it that we do surveillance testing and how often? And what are our testing options in terms of where and when? Yeah, good question. And, you know, we still need to maintain surveillance. Um, It has certainly fallen off statewide, nationwide, um, and locally um, to some extent. We are still just barely tricking along um, at adequate surveillance in the county. Um, 
but we need it to get a sense of how prevalent it is. And in order to get a sense of its prevalence, we need to have an adequate degree of sampling. Um, options um, in the county are still the Optum Serve site in Ukiah. Um, and then they occasionally will do a road show um, at various locations throughout the county. Um, I don't have that information or any dates on that in front of me. Um, that's something you can go to the OptumServe uh, website for or, or um, call the county coronavirus call center, and they would have that information. That number I do have. It's 707 472 Five nine again. That's the county call center for coronavirus is four seven two two seven five nine, and they can direct you to either the OptumServe website um, or any county you know roadshow testing events that they may have upcoming. Right, and then isn't there a testing event Tuesdays in Fort Bragg? I think so. I think so. And then, you know, obviously the hospitals are also testing patients uh, on an ongoing basis. We're still doing 100% of testing for anybody who's admitted to the, any of the hospitals in the county um, or transferred to another facility. Um, and so that does serve as, you know, fairly low-level surveillance, but that's generating 30 to 40 tests a day in the county. All right. Uh, we've got just about seven minutes left or six minutes. Let's see if we can take one more call. Good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air. Yes, I had a question for the doctor. I'm here. Yes, um, I was wondering if you heard of anybody getting multiple COVID vaccines, like um, the single shot and the double shot. And um, does that make any sense at all? No, it, it doesn't make sense at all um, yet. Um, there, there had been some talk, you know, month or two ago when the you know the supply chain was a little bit less settled as to whether we we're going to do a mix and match approach if necessary which is to say you know somebody would get the moderna first and then their booster would be a pfizer that would be suboptimal but i don't even think that's had to occur as the county particularly locally has been able to get um the necessary appropriate second dose vaccines but getting the the one two of either pfizer or moderna followed by say hypothetically the j and j um no there's no reason to do that okay well thank you very much uh, and thanks for your program sure all right thanks for the call all right looks like we cleared just the lines, cleared the lines. <laughs> okay well that's good timing for clear well we can oh. take one. Oh my goodness it all <laughs> lit up mind. again they heard you okay yeah. let's take our last call hey caller you're live on the air hello that's you Hello? Caller? Uh, Guess not. Confusion reigns. with our emotions. Yeah, confusion reigns. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Oh. Hi. You just came through to me. Um, I have a question about antibodies, and um, I'm wondering if they are testing the people who are in the trial for Pfizer and Moderna, and if they are being tested to see how many months their antibodies are lasting. Yes, they are tracking that. Um, and, you know, these people in these trials, really, the very first people that were enrolled, I believe, was the first week of September, maybe even late August, um, in some of these, you know, of the of the Moderna um, and the um, 
the BioNTech um, vaccine. And so those two vaccines, those cohort of people now were tracked out or have been now tracked out for almost six months. Um, and they are still showing good, dur what we call durable immunity um, so far. The last I saw the data dump on this, um, it looked like it's still holding up which is great. Whether it stays up, you know, for a year um, or not, we will know, say, this August, or if it starts to fall off after six to nine months. Now, obviously, the way our immune system works is, you know, you get the booster shot, um, and your immune system goes into overdrive and, and really learns what this protein shell looks like. And then, you know, as our immune system is designed to do, it falls back into a more dormant state. So you don't have the same cell counts or the same active immune uh, antibodies, but they are still present in the body and appear to be working quite well so far. Good news. And where would someone like me keep up to date on that information as it rolls out? Yeah, it's it, it, it's hard to find, frankly. It's not like you can just go to the, you know, the uh, BioNTech website and, you know, see the real data. Um, and so I end up having to sift through a lot of different uh, medical journals and other sources. So it's not it's not readily available, uh, unfortunately. Okay, thank you for your answer. Yeah. I wonder about that. Do you just stare at medical journals the way the rest of us look at social media? Well, I don't do social media, so, so it just gives me lots of time. Real yeah. things. Yeah. Well, I think we're at the end. I don't think we have time to take another call before Democracy Now comes up. So I think it would be ambitious. Any last? Well, and we can't go over because we'll get cut off by Amy Goodman. Yes. So we gotta, we gotta be, we gotta be good. We gotta be disciplined. Uh, any last thoughts for people for the week? We won't hear from you for seven, whole week. seven whole days. Wow. Um, no, just you know, continue to follow the. Uh, coronavirus rules. Um, keep wearing your mask. It is getting better. We might have a, so close, but so we still close, need to. But we're you know we don't want to we we don't want to relapse. Let's just say that. Um, particularly as we start to see things finally opening up, and we might be starting to see a glimmer of um, the new normalcy, um, which is to say we might be able to eat in restaurants. I'm not going to be rushing in. Quite yet. I personally would rather see the numbers drop a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, but everybody has a different risk-benefit analysis, and, you know, be safe. But maybe one movie? I would love to go see a movie I again. Know. Yes. All right. Well, thanks again. That yes, great. of course. Uh, great to see you again. And thanks to all of you for calling. Again, if you do want to help support KZYX in our quiet drive, you can call us here at the station at 895-2324 and talk to a live person and make your donation. Or you can go to our website at www.kzyx.org, click the donate button on our homepage, and there's even thank you gifts available and all of that. We are in our spring fundraising drive. We're doing it quietly, so you might not know, but we but are fundraising you can get a very snappy kzyx face covering yes yes and they're beautiful and they're the kind that really hug your nose and your cheeks just like yeah, the cdc they, likes they look quite comfortable i love my kzyx <laughs> kzyx mask it's my go-to <laughs> so thanks everybody thanks again and um we will be back monday thank you callers be kind be safe all right take care bye-bye 
been listening to the local coronavirus update from KZYXMZ Mendocino County Public Broadcasting in Philo, California. This podcast is made possible by funding from the Mask Awareness Project of North Coast Opportunities. To hear this program live, tune in on Mondays and Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time to KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Williton Ukiah at 91.5 FM, and in Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Or you can hear us anywhere at kzyx.org, where you can also find out how to donate or become a KZYX member. Thanks for listening. Thank you.